and there was the box that'd be like, are you LGBTQ? And I'd just hover. There was just something in me. I was just like, I'd hover and I was just like, I can't, I can't cross that. Like, I feel like I want to, but I, I like, I haven't done it. Like, it was all of the kind of the biphobic, internalized homophobia stuff that I was still dealing with, where it was just like, oh, I'm not allowed to be gay if I haven't like fucked somebody or like all of, all of these things are, oh, I'm with like a straight guy. So it was just really, I had, I really worked through a lot of that shit. But that was one of the first things I remember struggling with was like, I want to check that box, but I felt like a fraud and like, have I earned this? Have I earned my like, what do I need to do to like be a gay? <laughs> you know? But first, a word from our sponsors. When your mission is beyond missionary, step up your game with Liberator. Their collection of transformable sex furniture and sex toy mounts will put you in sexual positions you never thought were possible. Use promo code MANHOR and save 40% off the best-selling wedge ramp combo at liberator.com. Welcome to the Manhor Podcast. Shout out to all the bi babes, to the queer kings, to the toppy twinks, and all the straight guys trying their best. This is Billy Persida, and you're now listening to the Man Whore Podcast. Welcome, welcome to the show this week. Exciting. This week, filmmaker and photojournalist Amanda Mustard is on the podcast. You may have seen her documentary on HBO Max, Great Photo, Lovely Life. There should be a subtitle that says creepy grandpa, but you know, whatever it's, it's out and it's really, really good. Very intense. And we're very much going to get to Amanda and learn about her in a little bit. But first the AVN awards are this weekend, this weekend, January 27th at 3 PM. I think Pacific time polls will close for the AVN fan awards. And as you heard last week, Somehow, some way, I did not ask for this. I did not campaign. I have been nominated. And I didn't even need to get a billboard on La Brea. I am nominated after 10 years for favorite adult podcast. I am up against some big greats. Plugcast, Lisa Ann Experience, Holly Randall Show, Horrible Decisions. And yet, this is one of those AVN awards where this is not going to the board this is actually the fan votes. You make a difference. And it would be pretty cool if I won, right? I'm not, I don't know if I'm supposed to win, but a lot of you seem very enthusiastic about voting. I'm getting your tweets. I'm getting your Instagram DMs with screenshots saying you voted. And so I ask you one more time to please, if you can, vote for me once. If you're nasty, vote for me once per day, per account. There's a link at the top of the schnotes. And it would mean the world to me if you could take some time to do so. It's a safe for work website, by the way, AVN. Like when you go to the link in the notes, it's just going to bring you to the podcast page. There's no titties on there. You're not going to get fired for going to that website. Uh, when you sign up or log in, you're not going to get a bunch of spam. So please vote for the Man Whore podcast for favorite adult podcast at the AVNs. And, uh, you know, we'll see if I'm getting a trophy. Trophies are kind of hot. They got big titties on the trophy. Okay. Folks, go to manorpod.com for all the upcoming show dates. Naked Comedy Show this Friday. It's almost sold out. 
we, we got more tickets available for the 10 o'clock show if you want to roll the dice by the time you hear this. But again, manhorpod.com. Yo, I have not eaten bread in over two weeks. Really ready to murder someone. No, I'm actually surprisingly not that going crazy. I'm not going to go on a tangent on this, but just changing my diet just a little bit, like eating a lot of protein in the morning and not eating the bread and not having the snacks and a bunch of sugary stuff and the drinking. I'm <sighs> Sunday, I was watching the Bills Chief game uh, with, with some comedian friends of mine at a bar, and I just I hated that they ordered a bucket of beers and I ordered a glass of red wine. And the server, she was like really hot and, you know, she she had the push-up bra. She was set up to make money on football night. The titties were not just there. They were pushed in a way. They were, they were tip makers. They were looking like titty tip makers that night. And she's looking so gorgeous. And then she's making eye contact with me, confused. And I'm like, I'm not happy about this either. She brings me the wine. Later, she goes like, oh, you know, how is it? And I say, it's sad which is what I was ordering. So I thank you for bringing me exactly the sad thing I ordered, but I have, I have to get naked in front of 150 people this week. So I can't have fun. Also, I had sliders without the bread. Uh, hi, we're watching Big Manly Football. Can I please have my meat wrapped in lettuce? Kill me. But 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 that combined with drinking at least a gallon of water a day, it's, it's shocking how the cravings are kind of cut down a lot. And I have never gone this much time without eating carbs. There's something to be said about knowing that I can do it. Just like it was pretty comforting to like, I, you know, I had to host a speed dating event a week and a half ago. And I there was a woman who was really cute. We had an exchange early on. She's wearing a leather jacket. I'm like, this chick's gotta be cool. Pretty sure they do a cool check before you buy the leather jacket. And she had the big ear headphones like around her neck. I'm like, ah, this, my kind of girl is cooler than me. That's my, that's my preference. But then she had to go and speed date like fucking 25 guys. And regular listeners know that like my, my desires, my libido, my, even my emotional readiness to like be out there dating and, and yearning for some kind of connection. Uh, it felt good to, to, at the end of the event, just slip her a piece of paper with my number on it and like a, a smooth line compliment. Did she text me? No, but did it feel good to do that again? I haven't done that in a long time. Cause I've pulled myself out of the dating pool. Yeah. It was nice to know that I can. And it's nice to know that if I need to not eat bread for several weeks again, that I can. Before I get to my guest this week, Amanda mustard, let's do all of y'all's favorite time to fast forward the fan whore appreciation moment. Okay. This is the part of the pod where I like to give a shout out to members of my fan whore community on Patreon. You want a shout out? Be a member. These people did it. So you know what? It's nice to know that you can support independent content creators, right? Isn't it nice to know you can? And these people can. Shout out to Ladislav Vankov. Are you one of these Russian billionaires who are like buying up all this New York real estate and that is causing like the rise in rental prices? I hope you're not. Cause, but if you're not, then, hey, man, thank you. I hope you enjoy my balls this weekend. He knows. And I want to give a shout out. Big thank you to Shiloh Beasel. Do you ever serve food to somebody and they just they don't order the bread and you just look at them and think, you know, what's the purpose of your life? 
What could possibly be bringing you enough joy that you you want a lettuce wrap? Do you ever look into the eyes of a man in his mid-30s who orders a white wine during the football game and say, I think you need to go home to your wife? I'm curious what questions arise in your brain during the day. And I thank you for supporting the show. And you too can become a member for as little as $2 a month. In fact, you can become a member for free. Through the end of January, you can sign up for a seven-day free trial of my Patreon experience that'll get you access to Discord, community benefits, a shout-out on the show, behind-the-scenes posts, and access to over 300 bonus episodes of the Man Whore Podcast, including the hashtag all the moans bonus episode that got me flagged as adult content. That's what I get for making a bunch of women moan for like an hour straight through in an audio file that was on me so make it worth the slutty designation they gave me become a member today try it for free at patreon.com slash man podcast that's patreon p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash man podcast amanda mustard she, uh, she, she does not talk about sex or dating for a living. She is not a comedian. She is a photojournalist, award-winning. And she is the filmmaker behind the new doc on HBO, Great Photo, Lovely Life. Early, early in our conversation, I will address what made me want to reach out in the first place. And the, the documentary is basically her taking her pedophile grandfather to task. She interviewed him a couple times and she, she kind of goes on this investigation of like, how fucking bad was this? This family not so secret secret. How deep does it go? What amends need to be made? Suspenseful doc. It, gro- it grabs you in immediately. And that's not really what we're talking about on the show. We talked about uh, her her late 20s bisexual realization coming of age we talk about her unconventional relationship unconventional in a couple of ways neurodivergency and call-out culture as well as uh, a very important question i think she she asked towards the end of you know when we are calling out people who did bad things what do we want ultimately do we want to be mad do we want change to happen? I think Amanda is uh, trying to make change happen. Great documentary. Check it out. Let's go catch up with Amanda Mustard. As we age, our bodies are changing. Certain parts need more support than they used to. Other areas are getting a little sore or faster. And that's why it's important to make sex more comfortable. And that's where Liberator comes in. Liberator has been making fuck furniture to make sex more comfortable, more pleasurable, and last longer for decades. Their best-selling wedge ramp combo gets you in the right positions just a little easier, just a little bit more comfortable, which means you're ready to be in that position longer and harder. And you can get 40% off Liberator's wedge ramp combo when you use promo code MANHOR at liberator.com. Or you can click the link at the top of the notes to go right to the product. Again, 40% off their best-selling wedge ramp combo with promo code MANHOR. Or you can just browse around liberator.com and upgrade your sex life today. 
Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. But to answer your question where you're like, did did I pick up on gay? Like, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I picked up on something, <laughs> something queer. Because you built a fucking shelf. <laughs> you didn't. It wasn't like an Ikea shelf. If, if, if I remember, tell me if I'm wrong. I think you like got wood. I was just drilling that shelf in. I did build this. Right. I did build that. You oh, like, I was. I was painting that in the film. Yes. And you use. I you were doing things with tools I don't necessarily know how to do. Oh. So that was one. I think I was just using a drill. <laughs> right. Yes. And to me that like codes queer to me. Like Okay, I appreciate that. And then and then when you were packing the U-Haul. Oh literally. <laughs> wait, well, it wasn't even the U-Haul part. It was the shirt you're wearing. Yeah, that is the like that is the tropey bisexual shirt. I actually saw a meme on like the reductress that was like kooky Hawaiian shirt by girls whatever and i was like oh fuck <laughs> yeah i saw that shirt and i was like yeah that she, she kisses girls i was like that's <laughs> i didn't know if you were into men or not but i knew you were into women by those like the last five minutes of the flight oh that's so funny <laughs> you're like yes gay I, yes I, into both for the record i don't know why that was truly the t- when you were building the shelf I, that's <laughs> I hate this. That's when I thought I should have her on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Not through all like the the fighter work you're doing in that in the movie. Just I was like, oh, like clearly is a little like different, non conventional. We could see the like tattoos more. I was like, okay, we should. All right, see if she'd be down the chat. Let's sleuth. Let's see what's going on here. Yeah, true. yeah, yeah. No, because I was very curious. Because yeah, I mean, your podcast is 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 got a got a flavor to it, and I was like, oh, where do I fit into that? <laughs> Well, uh, w- w- what did you listen to? Just like the most recent stuff? or I listened to Peekaboo Points, which oh. I realized was very long ago. Very. I was a not very good, probably. <laughs> um, I mean, I could def- you definitely got more like you figured it out. Like mm-hmm. you figured out your, your thing. Um, but yeah, I had just photographed her a couple weeks ago. So I was like, oh, listen to that. Mm. And then I honestly can't remember the names of the other ones. The, the filmmaker that did uh, Suzanne yes oh yeah that was she really was good great. yeah yeah I listened to that one um I need to see that doc it's really really good wait what kind so what kind <laughs> with the what's my flavor yeah what's the show's flavor I don't I don't know well it's a different flavor than all the other podcasts I've been doing yeah <laughs> like I've been kind of uh on a lot of like true crime podcast which i'm not a fan of i'm like a very anti-true crime person Mm -hmm. but i think it's important with those bangs you're anti-true crime stop (laughs) it (laughs) spicy 
Um, no, I really, really have like, like I'm a journalist first and foremost, and I think true crime is like rotting our brains. Mm. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I think it's important to, because I am categorized, this film is categorized as that. Um, I just get directly to that audience and kind of pivot the conversation the way I want to. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like true crime is to journalism what crowd work comedy clips are to stand up? Oh, I don't want to speak for your world, but maybe. 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 Where you go like, that's not really what the whole thing is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I, I just think like entertainment, like kind of monetizing the entertainment value of people's trauma is like fucked. Mm hmm. And to have like anybody to just like go, hey, want to not talk about yeah. that thing you made that and I was everybody wants to talk to you about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, like I'm, I'm fine. Like people are not having the conversation that I'm like trying to have, so I'm happy to be the one to keep talking about it. But um, yeah, no, I kind of was tickled by the opportunity to talk about something else. <laughs> <laughs> And so none of these other like true crime podcasts have been asking you about like your relationships or any <laughs> queer no. identity, nothing fun like that. No, 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 nothing, nothing fun like that. But I do, I have enjoyed people in like comments kind of trying to figure out if I'm queer. <laughs> well, yeah, because you wore that fucking shirt. Like every queer chick under 140 pounds and she was like, I um, mean, she's kind of like, it was kind of like daddy mom vibes, like building the shelf. Oh my it was just God. Like, I wonder, you know, it was like that shirt was really just, I thought. I thought that was like almost purposeful signal to the world. <laughs> That's so funny. I mean, I I I, th- I thought the overalls would do it. The overalls, overalls are in big. I feel like like you know a quirky straight chick who just into paint could be wearing overalls. Yeah. But uh, so but uh, yes. <laughs> it was the uh, it was the like goth Hawaiian shirt. <laughs> it's the goth Hawaiian shirt. Uh, but but like any um, bisexual woman, you are in a relationship with a man. No. Okay. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yes. Sorry. Yeah, yes. My my therapist knows all about that. Um, yeah, no, I've uh, I have a fantastic partner, and we've been together twelve years, ride or die. <laughs> Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We we met. Uh, I was a wannabe photographer. He was a wannabe writer. We okay. moved to Egypt during the Arab Spring. Did you not go to like uh, college? Later. Like I did undergrad? not go to college. Okay, no. so, you, so you're like 18. You just like jumped over. I moved here. Okay. Yeah, I moved here um, and got two weird jobs on Craigslist. I ran a brick and mortar eBay store. Okay. And RIP. Uh, and then I was a personal assistant to a an, a couple who are artists and both blind. So I did those jobs for a couple of years before Wonderful. I left the country. <laughs> and you and you met your partner out in in Egypt. Egypt. Yes. Amidst crazy conflict. Yes, we were both 21 okay. and like wanted to he wanted to be a writer, I wanted to be a photographer and uh we had like a kind of commune house of of uh 10 people. There were spots for 10 people in two apartments across from each other like a block from Tahrir Square, mm-hmm. like where all the shit was going down. And um yeah, he was one of the ones that moved in. So you you hooked up with your roommate? Yes. Okay. And then I think we moved into the same room to save money after like a month. <laughs> after a month. <laughs> yeah, I feel like like after a month where you're like in another country, it's almost like like is it even romance at this point or is it this like localized romance where you're like, well, the, you know, she's she's going to be my my 
Arab Spring girlfriend. It was uh, just for the crazy. Everyone was fucking everybody. It was just like a very wild time that I would never do again, but I don't regret it. It's like some people went to college. That was like my college. Right. That was like your dorm. Yes, it was very much like that. And it was fascinating for me because I was raised very sheltered, very evangelical. We can get into that. Uh, But, uh, and, you know, obviously moving to New York was like a big step. Mm -hmm. Um, And I also didn't come out until I was 27. And my New York life was like having only gay friends. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, it was just like a very wild exciting experience for me mm-hmm. because um there were almost no americans in the mix and i was raised super duper small town pennsylvania evangelical lived in a bubble so it was very very eye opening in a lot of ways for me and it was fantastic and it was also horrifying uh the way that women are treated in egypt especially during that time was like, it's one of the worst places in the world for sexual assault and harassment. Mm. So yeah, things got like pretty intense, like, you know, when the heat kind of gets turned up of like what's normal. Uh, I think all of the women that were there working in that time, like we all left pretty fucked up. I had a small stroke at 24 as a result I'm sorry, of what now? The st- as a result of the stress. Like it was, it was a lot. How long did you do there? Uh, three years. You were there for three years. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the whole stint, you're like, want to come back to the States with me? No, I had the, I had a transient ischemic attack, which was a small stroke as a result of just the stress living there. And um, I knew I had to get out and I decided to go to Thailand Mm. because I had been there before traveling and just remembered how safe I had felt there. Um, And it was kind of just like a knee jerk, like, okay, let's, let's go do that. And I was like, you want to come? And then he came. And so then I was there for seven years. For most of the film process, I was flying back and forth from Thailand. Okay. Uh, that distance was really critical for my sanity uh-huh. um, to kind of like drain myself, uh, working for like two months at a time and then go back to Thailand uh-huh. to like a life I had created that has nothing to do with anything in my family or anything else. Um, and then I couldn't fly back and forth anymore. So I moved back full time. 20, uh, 2021 and he come back with you um he, he has been working as a humanitarian aid okay. um worker for the past five or six years so he always this wasn't even what i thought is this what you meant by unconventional no oh wow this is awesome <laughs> no because this, this is already unconventional this is like I, I know it's it's very dumb in American to think like, oh, living in another place is not like having um is not like a cemented whatever and it because like but to me I think it's like, oh, you're bouncing from here and then you're going to Thailand and this and then that. And mm. I go like, when are they gonna like just like chill and be homely together for a minute? No, we haven't. I Thailand was that because yeah, we worked still as like a writer and a photo duo. Yeah. Um, kind of just finding excuses to get people to pay us to travel places. Well, because it just it was starting to seem like this, like almost like quasi long distance relationship. It is. Thing. It has been now. Yeah. yeah. So like the first maybe six years, we were together all the time, and then for the last six years, we've been long distance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he switches a, his country that he's based in, which is always where there's a conflict happening every year. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What do you think keeps you two together all this time? 
we really share a lot of the same values and kind of just how we approach life. Mm-hmm. Maybe all this loosey goosiness. Okay. Um, yeah, like we're very borderless people. Mm. And the older we get, the more we kind of look around and like, oh, shit, like it's kind of hard to find somebody that like is willing to kind of lean into that. Mm. So, um, yeah. No, I mean, he's he's been also very, very supportive through my mental health journey over the years, like the film process. And then and then I came out in the middle of our relationship, Mm -hmm. which is a big kind of stick in the spokes. Um, didn't know how that was going to go, but, uh, yeah, I came out and in the same, in the same moment, I also proposed like an open situation. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was down to <clears throat> see how we could evolve. What was, what were some of the, con- I mean, obviously everyone is worried you're going to say that and then they're going to break up with you really for either of those things. Both of those are like two different coming outs in one conversation. I know. And I was a little probably unfair. I should have probably just, uh. Did one at a time. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's fair. I mean, you can always like you let out the like I'm by, see how he takes it, see how he takes if he's super chill, and then like and maybe you know I don't know. I had so much anxiety around it. I just like barfed it all out. <sighs> what was what was the moment? What was the night? What was the lunch? The lunch. I think we were in, yeah we were in Thailand and um yeah I mean I I had probably started to come to terms with it for a year by myself okay like on my own. And yeah, that was really scary to kind of tell your partner that, mm-hmm. hey, like we've been together for six years, you, th- you know, there's this element. But he 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 was not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, let's open your closet right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just like, come on. Like, I'm, I wasn't surprised. So it was a, it was a pretty easy conversation. Yeah. And I mean, yes and no, it it presents a lot of questions because Uh it was new to me also. Um, It was also kind of like, well, are you sure you're bi? Are you sure you're not like full blown? Like what is like, where do I stand in all this? Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, of course it was. But it was, there wasn't this initial like, ah, you know, it it was a supportive, but now we got a lot of questions. Yes, okay. we got we got some shit to do. We okay. got some like s- stuff to talk through. Some logistics to figure out. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, and yeah, I mean, it's like not even like a headline. We've kind of just kept fine tuning that situation and and it's great, especially given how like long distance we are. Yeah. It's really and for me it's like such an act of love to like have that trust and faith and and want that for your partner mm-hmm. to be fulfilled. And how do you handle the all those follow-up questions you're already in this like heightened moment of anxiety and now he's got a lot of very fair questions to ask that you're like i don't even know the answer to all of these so like like is this like a one of those like epic three four hour conversations with random crying is it it was a pretty tight situation have you blacked it out i don't really remember as much as i should i think i actually asked him about it recently because i was like what do you remember about that and he doesn't really remember either like it i don't know like it's also been a while so it's kind of like hmm. it's just part of our story now i guess mm. but uh yeah no it was we are have been very very we're a very healthy couple we've never in 12 years said something that we regret or didn't mean to wow. each other um like we have a lot of respect for each other so we yeah like it was tough but we navigated it with like a therapist and kind of worked through the negotiation of what the open rules were going to be and all of that and um yeah i would imagine the rules have changed 
maybe once, maybe a few times since the the, the inception yeah. of it. Trial and error. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a lot of people struggle with that. I think a lot of people mm-hmm. go, "What if we set these rules and then all of a sudden, like, I feel bad about it?" And then mm-hmm. is that going to end? It sounds, you know, like is there an example where a rule needed to be adjusted and how y'all came to the table to renegotiate? Um, it's it's interesting because when you first start, and I I'm I didn't want to fuck anything up, so I was a little too like anal about it at the beginning Mm -hmm. where i was just like okay like there's no room for error like i have to like if i get involved with somebody it has to be super you know buttoned up and and i wasn't even i think something i learned was like you have to kind of just like allow yourself to kind of make mistakes and like learn from them and like just fine tune that way Mm -hmm. Uh, but having like the foundation of respect and 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 trust so um i'm trying i'm trying to think if there's like a specific example um yeah i mean i really let him you know it it was it was initially more for me to kind of figure out my identity so i really wanted him to kind of like what are your parameters so what were like the initial rules um do i want to get into this do you the specifics? I'm trying to think. I'll fill. I'll fill the the thinking time of it. In that, I think it's a. I think it's something that a lot of people, but so many people can relate to. Mm-hmm. Also, struggle with. Have a lot of anxiety about. Okay. And again, like I think a lot of people think the rules have to be the rules, and they don't mm-hmm. think about the rules as being so, like or the agreement. Maybe that's a better word to use. Like the agreement can always be like changed and and renegotiated and yeah yeah you know yeah. it's it's a it's a living document yeah 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 and that's the thing it's like allowing yourself to try to kind of grow and and but just like knowing that that foundation of like respect is there right you know and, and ultimately you shouldn't be opening up a relationship if that isn't there in the first place. totally totally like anybody that kind of leans towards that as a solution to like oh maybe this will fix this like don't don't there, do that there are no don't magic agreement <laughs> of opening a relationship if the yeah. relationship's bad there's no like special rules you can make that's going to make this all be okay it'll still yes. crash and burn it works when the foundation is very very strong so, um, yeah, it's just like having really strong communication. And ultimately, like we started with, I'd say, more specific rules to really try and keep it safe. Okay. But then realize that, like, you know, like you can't apply those rules to every situation. Yeah. Uh, it just makes it kind of stressful. And to just like, just don't fuck it up. Like mm-hmm. that kind of became the thing of just like, just don't like we know in ourselves if we're pushing a line mm-hmm. or you know stepping over something that kind of you know you feel in your gut it's just like just just listen to that um do you feel relaxed and confident in your judgment i would say that? yes yeah i feel very good at it yeah when, when do you feel like that set in um i've done i think it's like I, i've done a lot of therapy <laughs> and a lot of self-reflection and like uh, a lot of kind of work on myself. Um, and in that, I've become like a very good communicator and just just how I treat people. Like I just really try to, you know, be above board, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, and the whole clarity is kindness thing, like it is so much easier to just put it all on the table mm-hmm. and, you know, 
And it's hopefully with somebody that can also do that. Yeah. And you just work it out. And, and I want to come back to this in a minute. But first, like, when did you first have like an inkling that other others made you feel tingly feelings? That's a good question. Um, I'm not totally sure because it was this process. Mm-hmm. Um, I do remember that there was a moment when I was applying. To, <laughs> there was like a thing. I think one of the first things that got in my head was uh, applying to all these grants for film. Okay. And there was the box that'd be like, are you LGBTQ? And I'd just hover. And I like, there was just something in me. I was just like, I'd hover and I was just like, I can't, I can't cross that. Like, I feel like I want to, but I, I like, I haven't done it. Like, it was all of the kind of the biphobic internalized homophobia stuff that I was still dealing with where it was just like, oh, I'm not allowed to be gay if I haven't like fucked somebody or like all of all of these things are, oh, I'm with like a straight guy. So it was just really, I had, I really worked through a lot of that shit. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus just all the residual shame from purity culture of the nineties and all of that. So, uh, but that was one of the first things I remember struggling with was like, I want to check that box, but I felt like a fraud and like, have I earned this? Have I earned my, like, what do I need to do to like be a gay? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and it took me a couple years, uh, to figure out that like only I can validate myself mm-hmm. that I, and I think I was also looking to uh, other queer people in my life. And it just happens that the few that I reached out to were also struggling with their identities and were not particularly helpful. And I think said some things that maybe pushed me back a little. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Just, and, and even like getting on the apps and at least just, it was baby steps. Yeah. Like this was a really scary <laughs> process, especially I felt like I had a lot at stake and, um, like putting your picture on a profile that yeah. is alleging I'm gay. Queer. Yeah. 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 So yeah, it was a, it was a really difficult process that I'm honestly like really proud of myself for because I'm in like a much I'm I'm good now. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's like integrated. I've integrated it and it's like, OK, it's on the South by Southwest description. It's yeah, good. yeah, yeah. And it's and it's funny to like I I continue to look back on my life and my childhood and the friends I had like when I first moved to New York like oh my friends were only gay I was only hanging out like making out with people at like lesbian bars and shit and just being like oh look at all my gay friends yeah. it just wasn't there it just wasn't like clicking I I don't I don't know how to explain it you're making out with gay guy friends or are you also making both. Out with- Okay, so, no, so you make, but you were making out women, but nothing was clicking. Nothing was clicking. You just thought it was fun. Yeah, yeah. Just like my friends and and I don't. Yeah, I I I think it was. I don't know. Maybe it was like Kristen Stewart in a movie or something. <laughs> something really original that <laughs> that made me be like, oh. And then, like anything in my life, if there's something I can kind of like. Oh shit! I think that's a thing. Mm-hmm. Like I have to keep pulling at it. Yeah, and I just like I have to figure this out. Um, so at first it was like queerness, and then it became like neurodivergence, and I don't know what it is. Oh, you right got now. a tickle of that too. Oh yeah. Oh great. Got got a, a few, few tickle. <laughs> my favorite way to say it i went in for the old tism testing because i was like i just make a lot of sense um and then they were like we can't 
like confirm this because we're bad at testing this but you do have you are adhd as fuck yeah. <laughs> i was like what <laughs> I <didn't know. laughs> like never never and then i don't know it's so interesting how like when you learn something like that about yourself it is such like a process of grieving and like integrating this new part of your personality and mm-hmm. or your being um so yeah i feel like i got the queer queer shit out of the way and then i moved into neurodivergence mm-hmm. which i'm still kind of wrestling with yeah likewise I, I gotta get one of those more official test things because it, it, when you were like it would make sense i go like yeah it would be weird if i'm not yes same it's like it would be it would just i'd be we should all be concerned if i'm not and this is just a human being in the world <laughs> <laughs> my my one of my a friend once uh i think it was like two-ish like two 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 and a half years ago gives me like one of the online tests like 30 40 yeah. questions whatever it is you got and a gold star yeah she goes yep says you're autistic i, was like, <laughs> I knew it and then there was this like pause and then she said you know i opened a second browser for you and answered the questions for you mm-hmm. as your best friend and um my answers made you more autistic oh my god <laughs> That's so fascinating, though, because like I learned a lot about my like I kind of caught a whiff of these things because my best friends have a 14 year old Mm -hmm. and she was probably around 11 or 12 at the time. And she was going through a lot of diagnoses and a lot of the symptoms Mm. that she had. I was like, wait, I do that. Yeah. I thought everyone did that. And yeah. they're like, no, <laughs> no right. not everyone does. But then there's always the case where like, then you go like, well, it's not like that. And then it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not like the guy from Atypical. So like, am I really? And then there's not too dissimilar to when you go like, am I bi? I haven't, I haven't, I've kissed some girls. It wasn't like a huge, uh, you know, am mm-hmm. I? Until like you confirm it. And um, yeah, fucking identity is crazy. But like it's the, the last decade has been very identity heavy yes. in the culture. Um, yeah, yeah. And in a way, I'm like lucky. I feel lucky. Like, yes, a lot of it can get like over the top too much, et cetera, et cetera. And it's also very American. Yeah. But um, I also am just grateful that I that the conversation is going sure. and that there is more permission to be like, hey, am I this thing? And that's okay. It's okay. Mm-hmm. To, it's like safe to ask these questions. So like, I'm, I'm, it's, it's great. So between great. the evangelical upbringing mm-hmm. and thinking that making out with your chick friends at gay bars is just for fun. Like mm-hmm. there really wasn't that inkling until you started applying for the grants and you're having this hover moment. And then, you know, you have the conversation with your boyfriend and then the, what's, what's that first date Oh my god! It took me two years to actually um, like hook up with a woman. Okay, like like, and that was like me in my own head. Mm -hmm. I was so nervous. I was so, and I was also in Bangkok. Yeah. So like, I had gone on some dates there, and the community is very small there. And you're also working with how many people speak English? Right. Like, so it immediately makes the pool smaller. You know, because I'm not all. I'm not about let's figure out this like wildly personal identity crisis while not speaking the same language. Um, Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Don't sign me up. Uh, But so, but like the first date, even if you didn't hook up, like what was, what was that first like walking to the date? Like, Oh my God. Shit in my pants. Um, Yeah. Probably had to take a clonopin before. Okay. Um, It was just, well, it's so funny because a lot of those feelings of that, of the first date are still things that I, 
find dating women, mm-hmm. which is like, no one wants to make, who, who's going to make the first move? Like, it's just such a like, women are so kind and complimentary and like, uh, affectionate with each other. It's like, are we just being women or is this flirting? Like, just like not knowing. I don't know. We are really, really bad at knowing picking up yeah 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 so it's funny because like that was very much a part of the first experience and like it still kind of is like that like i've gotten into a place where it's like okay i'm just gonna have to be the one to make the first move like i'm just gonna have to i have the drill i build shelves i make the first move (laughs) (laughs) just because also like it's for for, it's not i'm not interested in having multiple relationships okay i think i'm capable of that emotionally but like at this point in my life i'm not interested and that's not part of you know, my partner and I's arrangement. So it is for casual sex. And I don't have a lot of energy that I want to put towards the kind of, you know, the, the dating process. Yeah. So I'm not like wildly proactive about it. Okay. What was the first time with a woman in a more intentional way? Like, Mm. it was very validating, very validating. And I wish I didn't feel like I, needed to like physically consummate the the identity <laughs> um i really wish i didn't feel that uh because i tell other people like you know like you don't need you, it's true you don't need to prove anything but gosh it's helpful it is so helpful it is it is it is so after that i was just like oh my god yes like check that box like i'm good now <laughs> yeah, yeah. so yeah it was just and it, there's also a lot of grief associated with it because it's like i felt like I lost a lot of time. Like, mm-hmm. what if I would have been able to explore this younger? What if this? What if that? So I, I really struggled with like the grief of lost time for mm-hmm. a while. You missed all those years being like a queer twenty-two yeah. year old who could have been mm-hmm. dating fifty-year-old, you know, daddy dykes at the bar. Like, you, <laughs> you missed all that time. Yeah, I missed. Them. Yeah, yeah, and I. It now was you're this hard. Normal, appropriately aged person. <laughs> Well, it, I kept saying it felt like going through a second puberty, but I'm like in my late 20s. Did you like explode? Like when you first started, did you just start going like, okay, yeah, date, date, let's do it. Let's hook up. You could not do that in Bangkok. Well, I guess. It's like I 20, 20 got, women. <laughs> I suppose whenever you got back to the States and could like properly. You during know, the, oh, you mean during the pandemic? Being, um, I mean, look, I've, I've read a lot of stories of people not being too responsible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, like I didn't. I was also like three days after I landed in the U.S. to like move here, move here. Okay. We had still not sold the film and I was just taking a leap. I was okay. like, I've got, I also couldn't keep doing it. Like it's a, it, it was miserable personally. You know what sure. I mean? Like yeah. creatively, it was amazing when the funding was finally there and you could just go. You're just like, okay, now I can finally do it. But all the waiting and the fundraising, like it really, really wore me down. So it was three days after I landed here. It was like January 2021 and uh, HBO said yes. Okay. So it was kind of immediately like work mode. So. Well, I think I was reacting to the whole second puberty thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like yeah. right now I was like, hey, whoever, you know, so it's like, yeah. like, like racked up numbers quick. Yeah, no, I feel like I'm in that now. Oh, oh yeah, you're in that now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like now that the film is like ended and I like have more space 
in my everything, you know? So, um, yeah. And like moving to New York is, 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 is great to just like have more of a queer community, like being in Trump country, central PA (laughs) options are limited. Options are limited. Yeah. Especially for someone in like an open, unconventional situation. (laughs) Situation. Yeah. That's yeah. wild. Yeah. Um, and does he does he have I don't have to get too into his weeds, but like does he also have some freedoms? He does, yes. Okay. Yes. How how do you handle that? Very well. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I it makes me excited for him. Okay. You know, like when you're together this long, it's exciting to be like, oh, what can other people kind of introduce? Mm-hmm us two or you know just kind of adding that into the mix mm-hmm. um so yeah i am a generally a pretty like secure person mm. and like even tomorrow if he was like eh, i don't think i want to do this anymore it's like oh i respect that okay <laughs> that's wild you're like we've been through war together yeah, we, like we've uh, been through a lot. I don't think Jennifer's going to steal you from me. Yeah, and like if that's what you want, then I respect that that's what you want. Just like tell me. Mm-hmm. You know, I think anything kind of goes as long as it's like honest and transparent and you're communicating properly about it. Was there anything that y'all had to do as a couple? I know you said you did therapy, but there's anything y'all did to like prepare and like get like in the beginning stages of non-monogamy to feel secure in that? Or do you just kind of go for it yeah some people like read all the books and some people just trial and error i had read the books before i even brought it up to him cute like Like, yeah yeah yeah. oh man it's been so what is the one what's the one i mean the old school main one was ethical slut and then there's more than two is like the controversial follow-up um there's some other really open is another popular one. I think I read that one, and there's a, there's another one. There's another one. Mm, mm, mm. The, Can't I mean, remember. what's really cool is there's like a lot now these days. Like my favorite's one that no one ever talks about. It's thin. It's short. It's called Designer Relationships. I think it's ah. 120 pages. It is easy. I like that. That was it. Was it's so freeing. It was just so freeing to kind of like approach relationship like just like reframe it and be like oh my god like this can be whatever we want as long as we're just like putting everything on the table i mean when you were 17 what did you think like a relationship was going to be like for you did you have visions of that i mean i went to the i went to like a daddy daughter hand my virginity over at 12 one of those yeah 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 so it took me a minute to like shake some shit off um Yeah, it was it was it was rough. I had the purity ring. I had the purity contract. Okay. Signed by a woman who later did my taxes. Uh, <laughs> Seems like the person for it. Yeah, the church is a small world. Um, she can audit you for both things. Oh my god, get fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, like it was. Um, I don't know. I kind of like hit the ground running with not a lot of tools. Mm-hmm. I had a lot of like painful experiences in my early 20s with men. Um, so you were dating men. I was That's dating I older men. Oh, older men. Yeah. I was that flavor of that. trauma. Uh, so Can't imagine where that came from. Oh, uh, exactly. Um, so Which yeah. There was like a movie that would like kind of I show know. me a hint of. Of why. why. Yeah. Hmm unpack that a little bit maybe (laughs) over eight years uh yeah so a lot of kind of stumbling fumbling a lot of shit went down in early 20s which is just it's just so tragic like how often that happens Mm. it's just like almost every woman has that same story early 20s Um, 
when you were still with, or is this maybe when you all weren't like? No, I hadn't met him yet. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like was it was, like we met at 21. So it was basically between 17 and 21. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. It was like chaos. The earliest of the 20s, as yes. in like 20. Gotcha. Yes. I, okay. And in uh, big OKCupid. Okay uh there was i was a big okay cupider okay yes <laughs> well so, i mean it also stood out to me even just when you first said like oh when we were in this like compound there's like 10 whatevers and where everyone was banging everybody it, even that made me go hmm i wonder how that plays into the evangelical stuff you know was she you know uh, uh breaking out into freedom was yeah like when did you lose the purity shit or the initial oh uh, yeah i mean it's such a process when did you give yourself that permission to be like oh i can have sex if i'd like to have sex I would say when I lived here in New York. Okay. Yeah, like right before I left the country. Um, it was like, it was, yeah, it was like a kind of date every other night kind of situation. Cause I, I felt I had been, I was like in a pretty toxic relationship between 17 and 20. Mm-hmm. And it, it was, you know, getting all the toxic shit all out at once and learning from it. But coming out of that, I was like, shit. I also felt like I had lost time and needed to kind of put myself out there. And I was re- I was just throwing myself at life in so many ways. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there was some assault. There were some like getting drugged on dates. Uh, someone put PCP in a joint. I like got out of the situation and this poor taxi driver took me home and I was convinced I was dying and he was like holding my hand. (laughs) It was like really dark. Um, Yeah. No, there was just like a lot of dark shit because like I didn't have the tools, the language, like a grasp of like what my rights were like, you know, and, and how we are treated by men, how that was modeled for me and my family see great photo lovely life on hbo <laughs> uh so and then the way the church is telling you yeah is that is another institution that's telling you what yes. your rights are or aren't and what your service and purpose is yes and my parents relationship was like pretty fucked up um and they went through like a really brutal divorce in my late teens so like i just didn't have any idea yeah and you just kind of are like figuring it out um so yeah that's what you know and and then i started dating my partner yeah. and that was like a good, that was one of the first times it was like, okay, this is what like respect feels mm-hmm. like. This is okay. Um, even though it was still in like a very chaotic situation otherwise in our environment. But on that like early that, you know, like when you get out of the toxic relationship and you go on the string of dates, like how much is the purity stuff still kind of influencing how you behaved or like had it been pretty shed by that? I thought that I was... Like, yeah, I was like slutting it up okay, and and kind of detaching myself from that, but slutting myself in a way that was actually just very focused on uh, performance rather than my own pleasure. Yeah. And then it took me another number of years to kind of be like, oh, wait, like there's more. I Yeah, there's more. And I actually have a say and like I deserve you know, pleasure in this, mm. in this situation. Um, and then fast forward late twenties, uh, I, when I was like sleeping with women, it was, and you go, Oh, whoa, there really is more. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you're like, telling me, I got to report back to the boyfriend about this. There are some <laughs> things we're gonna have to transfer over. <laughs> but there were, and it's like emotionally and mentally, I was all in, but it was so wild how I there was a few times that I had I would have like, you know, pushed some boundaries or like tried some tr- tried something new. Mm. Um, 
and really like let myself go in a way and I would have a physical reaction in the following days that was like deep shame, like nausea, just mm -hmm. like what? And then that was that like latent purity culture still yeah. kicking around. So uh, that was really interesting because even though I felt like, oh, I'm so far past that, my body was still holding this kind of this kind of shame. And, and it was pretty when I know what it is, it's pretty easy for me to like, work through. Mm -hmm. But um, that was interesting. Yeah, it was very interesting. Yeah. When did when did he when did you tell him about the family stuff? It kind of was always there. Like um So you didn't have to like come out about that. No. Okay. I'm I'm sure I did at some point, but it was I think that if anything I've had to get like more delicate about it over the years cuz it was so normalized to me and in my own kind of hot messness of early 20s late teens. Like it was very easy to talk about and be like, oh, my grandpa's a pedophile. Like, just like, I don't know, yeah. getting too drunk and kind of like diving into it. Just like, what the fuck? Yeah, no, there wasn't like a, a coming out, and I, I do not consider myself a victim of my grandfather's, mm. so there wasn't a coming out about that. There may be things I don't remember, but I don't remember anything. Right. So, um, yeah, I was very lucky that he moved out of the state two years before I was born. Mm. So, and then went to prison two years after I was born right. for a couple of years. So bought me some time to like grow up. Um, yeah. Okay. Is that fucked up? I mean, it, it, the whole, <laughs> the whole thing was fucked up. I, I had no idea what the doc was about. I saw somebody tweet it. Uh, Ash, I think it was Ashley Ray who does like a, uh, TV, I say podcast. Which is really great. She's been on the show. Mm -hmm. Um, she tweeted about it and purely on that recommendation. I just, cause like I trust her judgment. Mm -hmm. I it was, dog sitting at my sister's very very nice apartment and nice. uh and watched that i was like like i i was i was Yikes. glued i was glued the entire time first uh i think yeah i think that's what ashley says she's like in the first five minutes this thing hits hard and we're there like and i was like okay no time to waste no nope, there was no time to waste so i was just captivated the entire time so the entire thing's fucked up but that mm -hmm. like, for me i was just sitting there having all sorts of questions about how all that fucked upness like affects you yeah and yeah, then because yeah. of like what i do for work i'm thinking how does it affect like her sex or dating or love yeah life? uh yeah i think in my early 20s it was like a lot rougher but it i don't feel as impacted by my grandfather specifically i feel more impacted by how like the trauma of his children like my mom and being raised in this environment where the idea of sexual abuse is normalized. Mm. It's very normalized. And it's just kind of what happened to all of us. So like, this is what you expect in life. Um, is that why you think you, do you think you didn't recognize your assaults as assault when you were in that yes. 17 to 20? Did not have the language, did not have the framework. Like it, I immediately was like, well, all of these things are my fault. Like they're all things that if I would have done this or done, you know, the, the dance that we do, um, yeah, and it was actually through my experiences being in Egypt, which was like truly, like just Google, look up what was going on with women in Egypt during the Arab Spring. It was a true nightmare. And it became something I was like an advocate, like in the journalism industry about, of just talking about, 
you know, the 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 dangers uh, and risks that women journalists were facing and, you know, what happened to Laura Logan, um, that was just regular. Like, it was just regular, like, mass rape as a means of kind of quashing the protesters and discrediting protesters. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it became something I cared a lot about. And in, th- in learning about it that way, I started to look back at my life and be like, whoa, hold on a second. Like... I there's a lot there that I thought was normal that is absolutely not. Um, and that's kind of when I started the film. Like I started the film when I was still living in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Well, the, fir- the first thing you shot was the, was the grandmother part, right? The grandmother well, part. What did you first yes. shoot in Egypt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The grandmother part and when my grandma was dying and then uh, I interviewed him right after. Okay. So, and I wasn't even planning on making a film. I was going to like put audio over photos or something. Yeah. And then it was like wild how candid he was. Mm-hmm. Have you gone and confronted like your abusers? Uh, I did. I did. Actually around me too, I sent a letter. Okay. Um, I've, you know, I, that happened when I was 21. And it was, yeah, my best friend at the time's boyfriend. And it was, yeah, like... It took me a long time to even, you know, speak up to any of my friends because it was like a really tight knit friend circle. Um, And then when I did, yeah, it was like it took me a couple years to find the strength and like the language to be like, actually, this is what happened. Um, And then it would have been, yeah, when Me Too happened, I got the kind of courage to be like, I'm going to send a fucking letter. Like I had felt healed to a point that it was like, I don't need anything from him. I just want him to know Mm. like whatever narrative he has in his head, I want to set that record straight. So here's what happened, buddy. Yeah. Uh, And here's what I've done. Like, I don't need anything. Uh, I just want you to live with this, you know? Uh, And then I sent a similar letter to her the his girlfriend who had like victim blamed me when I came out about it. Mm-hmm. And do you feel like what you were already in the process of doing with your grandfather like informed that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was also pretty. Um, I was very open in the photojournalism world about outing some fuckers in the, in the industry. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I actually wrote an article about um, the impact that like this kind of really, really prevalent predation in our industry was having of like older mentors and older photographers towards younger and like younger um, women. And that happened to me a lot in my early, like I started my career when I was 21. Um, And I wrote an article about that of like, Hey, if you wonder why there's less than 15% of photographers are women, like maybe get predators out of our way Mm -hmm. because a lot of people walk away because it's so prevalent. Um, And that came out three days before, I think it's three days before Harvey Weinstein hit the news. And I was like, told you it's worth talking about. (laughs) That was like right after Louis and right before, I mean, every, every, every niche, every industry is, you know, having their, their reckonings. And yeah, I think that there's a lot of parallels between the, uh, standup scene and, and photojournalism. Like I have a number of standup friends and, uh, so kind of you. We've, we've, (laughs) (laughs) we've talked about nothing. It's just like the un, uh, regulated nature 
of the industry and like how do you get jobs like oh you go to like can you go to these like portfolio reviews you go to like the right people's parties in new york and like there is no hr there's no union yeah there's just yeah there's yes and for better for worse so um yeah the kind of like vulnerability of women trying to make a name in either those industries i found to be quite similar yeah i'm still trying to figure out like how we determine like which stand-up comedians have done something that's um, for lack of better language in the moment like egregious enough to like oh we don't book that person no more you know and like and how you do that and like there's i you know i run a naked comedy show where i try Mm -hmm. to take a little extra caution Mm -hmm. there's like a you know um because like it's a it's a like slightly extra vulnerable situation Uh, is it just the comics that are naked or is everybody naked it's clothing optional for the audience in the first two oh, that's dope yeah i'll have to check it's that fun. out it's a, it's a good time yeah um and so like you know I'll, I, I had someone on the show a bunch of times and then some stuff came out and i had to like have some conversations because stuff's like vague and you don't want to make certain mm-hmm. big decisions on things that sound vague but sound serious but like and, and i think we're all trying to grapple with that and figure it out yeah and yeah, yeah. something that your doc really stressed which I I liked was the whole just acknowledgement can be and could be might not be but like could be enough yeah like acknowledgement's a huge deal mm-hmm. and I've been of the mindset that like outside of the like particularly violent situations and some of the more maybe even gray area stuff I think if a lot of people would just say like my bad like I did that. I'm sorry, I'm trying to do something differently where I've figured out why. Just the acknowledgement mm-hmm. that there's a lot of things that like people would like a lot of these celebrities could get past, quote unquote. If yeah. they could just start with, I didn't realize that's what I did to you. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, I mean, I will say this based on purely what I've read in the news. I do not know him and I don't know the behind the scenes of it. Mm-hmm. But how Aziz Ansari kind of responded was one of the very few times that I was like, Oh, he like thought about this. Yeah. Like he thought he thought about this. He's owning it. And he seems to be doing fine. He's working. He's not like his career is not fucking over. Yeah. Like Lee is selling out stadiums uh, and he still won't. Motherfucker. Yeah. Yes, exactly that. Yeah. Like that's the thing. And I've had a lot of these conversations where, you know, it's like, what do we want? out of this you know because there are people who like will stop at nothing and they just want them dead suffering like career ruins like i think the whole cancel culture thing is like very very slippery but like i look at somebody like louis mm-hmm. and it's like it's it's this like petulance it's this kind of like eh, fuck you you know and it's like that that doesn't do it for me you know like there's no interest in like the reflection there or maybe again this based on my my take of it like comparing louis to like aziz's and i do think that we need to create space for that like for them to kind of like apologize and reflect like a lot of people don't even want to give that it's just like you fucked up you're done you're out forever and i think that's on productive i'm very much in the middle which is kind of why i was able to make the film i did because i was like that with my grandfather where it was just like dude you are like profoundly fucked like yeah, profoundly your demeanor around him is like almost like like she you're just i'm like she's like smiling are we allowed to, oh that's we, nervous we, that's like, all we, nervousness but but for me it's like it's not 
I, I, I also just like being a woman, like I am afraid of him, sure. you know, like I'm afraid of him. And like we get small, like when we get harassed in the street, like very few of us respond in a way that we're proud of 30 seconds later. Yeah. We're just like, ah, fuck, I should have done this, should have done that. It's just like, yeah, I did that through the whole film. Like I was terrified, you know, with my with being around my grandpa. And also I was had my journalist hat on, like wanted to get information yeah. from him which you don't get by, you know, grabbing him by the neck and like shaking him. Mm-hmm. Yes, part of that, it was the the kind of very personal part of it of just like, this is what I've seen every other woman do in my family. Mm-hmm. Like, this is just in me. And also like, I'm, I'm trying to like get some information here yeah. and I'm just going to be real nice. You know, yeah. it's but, like, it's that simple. Like, it's that simple. But to get back to what you were saying before with mm-hmm. like some of these like kind of public apology stuff and, yes. and stuff with celebrities, it's, you know, and, uh, you know, uh, unfunny recent specials acknowledged, but I don't know if you saw this Dave Chappelle special called the bird revelation. Is it's, this a new one? No, no. This is like from back when he was first releasing funny specials back okay. before he's obsessing over some trans woman who clearly broke his heart at some point in his life. <laughs> <laughs> TLDR. Right. Um, he had one special that had a lot to do with with assault and with, mm-hmm. um, you know, Harvey, it was post Harvey Weinstein and all this. And he, he was comparing it to truth and reconciliation in Africa. He's like, that should have ended in a bloodbath. But like it didn't because people came forward and they said what they did. Mm. And then they could deal with it. Mm-hmm. And so ever since I saw that special, Scandal Acknowledged with the recent special, yeah. that <laughs> it's my new, P, this guy P. Holmes, he says Scandal Acknowledged anytime he says Louis's name. <laughs> scandal Acknowledged. <laughs> Louis, you know, it's like that Louis joke, Scandal Acknowledged. <laughs> yes, um, yes. I think there's gotta, when you say, okay, what do we want here? And by we, meaning like not me, y'all mostly, no, I think it's the collective, like oh, for society. Like, what do, what we, do we, how do we, what do we want to do with this? Like, do we just want to be mad about it? I think a really fantastic example of this, and I keep bringing it up. Okay. And I can't, I, I need to learn their names. Uh, but there is a couple. Uh, I, I think they're Irish. Um, it is a woman who, and, and a guy that she dated who raped her. And through, like, she healed to a point where she confronted him. He, processed it owned it and now they do like uh, they wrote a book together they do a speaking tour um and i saw that i saw they did i think it was like a tedx or something like that or um and i was like this is great Mm. that was my gut reaction i was like this is incredible because like this is the conversation that we should have why is it always on the women to be like oh this is what i went through this is you know blah blah blah. like it's like no y'all should be the ones talking about this like oh shit i fucked up like i'm gonna own this hey like men let's look at our behavior like it's it's i think it's the ideal situation for you know someone who did uh rape somebody who maybe didn't realize that that's what it was maybe it's as simple as is that and it's just like well fuck me like that is worth talking about and i'm going to try to raise awareness about that um i was stunned when i saw like the the shit they were getting online like there were like people were really raising arms to get them to like stop doing their speaking tour and and this and that and it's like what, what what's the end game here exactly what do we want like, what do you, what, you just want him to, like, just, just live in a dumpster? Like, I don't understand, like, 
that seems like a worthy conversation to me. I'm going to pivot into uh, something that people don't like talking about. Um, I think that that this is very similar to kind of what I feel we need as a society to kind of work towards with people who are uh, attracted to children. Mm-hmm. Um, the the academic community is trying to move away from using the word pedophile for obvious reasons. Um, what are the obvious <laughs> reasons? Do tell. Um, well, I mean, so the word pedophile um, is not a, it's, it's just a descriptor of, a, of an attraction. It's not an action. So you can be a pedophile and not offend. Um, but pedophile also isn't like just attraction to people under 18. And I don't know all the classifications, but I know there's a bunch of, like, I think, Sub, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Eba files one. Hebophilia. And I don't think anyone should know, be allowed to know more than two of them. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> it just sounds like the type of knowledge you would gain from Googling. Am I technically a pedophile? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also think that, like, we do, this is my whole unpopular opinion, is really wanting us to work towards a place where we can people that have those very problematic attractions can have a space to like inquire about themselves and ask for help and like receive help. And that is currently not the situation because that's what actually protects kids. Like if you just avoid it altogether rather than wait until it happens and then have this kind of performative outrage of that comes from a good place, but like it's not helpful. And, you know, if you think of any kind of, addict like if you really like demonize and stigmatize them like you're not going to ask for help they're just going to kind of be in their their cave you know consumed by it and drugs is one thing but like kids is another that's our that's all of our problem so um yeah i really you know there was a po- there was a podcast i listened to in 2014 called um Tart and feathered. It was the the episode was help wanted by Luke Malone, who is now my producer. Um, he's fantastic. He spent a year and a half investigating. That's on This American Life. Did I say that? No, it's on This American Life. Um, Plugs. Yes. Whereas P. Holmes would say, delete that. (laughs) Yeah. So he um, spent a year and a half following a a group of self-identifying non-offending pedophiles who wanted help were realizing oh shit like i am having these attractions and i do not want to so what can i do about it and had nowhere to ask like they go to their therapist therapist calls the police like everyone freaks the fuck out um that's a problem you know because you know recidivism rates are actually very low 70 percent of um kids that are abused under the age of 18 it's by other kids under the age of 18 like our understanding of the entire issue is like we just have a lot of bad information Mm -hmm. so um i really uh made the film with kind of prevention in mind like what is the public health preventative approach to this and that's okay like we do need to kind of humanize these monsters you know because they are human they and and humans can be held accountable where if they're otherworldly they can't be like our language does matter um yeah and i understand how like it's it's so upsetting it is upsetting um and the reason that i am like not as visibly upset as most people like might expect me to be is like i've spent a long time thinking about this and i've done a lot of research and i've gotten very comfortable with the discomfort around this and i think that's what we all could use a little bit more of if we actually want to come up with productive solutions that actually 
protect protect kids. What would you say to someone who says, well, you are able to feel that way because you're not currently a parent? Touche. You know, like, I think everybody yeah, has, their, like, that's valid. Like, I mean, I don't think that's the only way I f- feel about that. Like, you might not feel that way because you, your grandpa wasn't a pedophile. Like, yeah, yeah. you know, like, it's... You don't know pedophiles like I know. I know. I know pedophiles. Like, (laughs) it's like literally. Yeah. So I, uh, yeah, like take it or leave it. Like, I don't expect everybody to kind of have the headspace, you know, to, to, you know, chew on that. But I've always operated, if I can get like 30% of people thinking in a different way, um, that's progress, you know, and like making this film. This is not like a headline takeaway from it. Like it's embedded in the choices I made making the film. Um, but I also think that, you know, my grandfather is one of the, he's he's part of the minority that I don't think wanted help or could be helped. Um, but for at large, I like to have like a kind of productive conversation about it. I don't like all of the kind of true crime films about molestation and abuse. That's just kind of like a, a, a laundry list of like horrifying details. It's like, well, what do we learn at the end? It's trauma porn. Like, yeah, it's trauma porn. What like now we, though? What are we doing about it? Exactly. And that's all I'm interested in. And that might be my journalism background, but it's like, I'm not, I didn't, wasn't going to make the film and just be like, Hey guys, I want to like tell you about this crazy shit. Yeah. Like that was not the purpose. And in fact, like a lot of the craziest shit is not even in there. You know, it was very, very intentional. Um, and it was also a real bizarro gift that he owned it. I mean, he minimized a lot, but like that was, which was the craziest. Yeah. That's what I think tight. I think that's what ropes you into the doc is yeah. he's like, no, yeah, I, but big deal. Yeah. 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 Like it's super fucked. And I do think there's some psychopathy at play too. So it's not like he is not, it's not like, Hey guys, look, this is like a pedophile. Like, no, no, no. I, there is more cooking in that brain um, that has just been rotting for like 80 years yeah. you know like it's beyond anything I can do at that point but um, yeah I don't think that he's a, a great example for the kind of messaging I like to have the takeaways but yeah I just want to have like a productive conversation of like if we actually want to protect kids how do we do that and you know even if you look at I don't have the numbers in front of me but if you look at how much money we spend um, kind of putting Uh, an offender through the legal system versus like what it would i think it's millions yeah like how much you'd spend if you were just like hey like we're gonna have special therapists you can talk to like you can ask for help and here are the interventions Mm -hmm. um yeah we're working with the the more center for the child for child sex abuse prevention at the johns hopkins center Mm -hmm. hospital center let me redo that the more (laughs) It's just really they fun. won't I, love that. It's really fun how you think like that is going to get cut. But please, I do want you to try it again. <laughs> the Moore Center for Child Sex Abuse Prevention uh, at Johns Hopkins University in Baltimore. Uh, they um, are doing really, really incredible work um, to get this research and this conversation going. There's not many people working on this front, but um, a few brave ones are. Fantastic. Um, Amanda, you've been, I, I should probably say at some point, uh, we're here right now with filmmaker and photographer, Amanda Mustard. Uh, I do. In- I think this might be the latest I've ever introduced anyone in my 10 years doing this. So, um, <laughs> but it felt like it needed to be said. 
I have two questions. Thanks for being so generous with your time. I have two. One's very yeah. short. One, you just go. But um, in the beginning of this, you had uh, earlier, or I forget if it was off mic before we started, you had said like, there are a lot of conversations. People aren't having the conversation about your film you want them to be having. Was that it? Or was there a different one? Yes. And that's speaking at large, not necessarily like because my film came out. Like it's just at large, like that's not, we as a society are like pretty cool with vilifying pedophiles and just like you can look at any thread on Facebook, mm-hmm. you know, when some when someone gets done in for something, it's, you know, put them through a wood chipper, do this, do that. It's just like, well, like it's, what's that doing? <laughs> like, you know, for the victims, like what is that? Like, can we just move to a place where we can get ahead of this? Because there are things that we can do. We just don't want to uh, talk about it. So, um, but yeah, and I, I felt like m- my film's not solving this, but I hope that it's kind of getting people again, a little more comfortable with the discomfort of talking about this and like, oh shit, that's the reality. You know, like I can't put my grandpa through a wood chipper. He's my grandpa. Like I got to figure out like what these relationships are and, and that's what most people go through. So yeah, we think we might be helping, but um with the anger but um anger can be a helpful tool but it can't be where we like land okay as far as a solution goes and then my uh my final question was um as a as a bisexual woman mm-hmm. uh, did you build this whole house <laughs> you wish <laughs> <laughs> it's a very strong scene in the film uh stuck uh, with you it it really did it was mm-hmm. <laughs> amanda um this was really fun Thanks for yes. thanks for inviting. Uh, thanks for asking me. It was really out of left field. Yeah, really not, not the. the <laughs> I hope I contributed thing. something. <laughs> I think so. I think we had we had cool talks. We did some some bi coming of age. We did some uh, non monogamy negotiations. Mm-hmm. Uh, we covered bangs. Uh, good. Covered pedophilia. That. Pedophilia. Thank God. Gotta catch them all. Uh, no one ever seems to want to do that one. So I'm glad <laughs> you did. And uh, no, I think it was I think it was awesome. And talked to I think maybe yeah. I think we got the stuff you feel <laughs> to be Mark Marin. You good? <laughs> I'm good. You're good. Yes. Um, Amanda, where can people go to find you, follow you, check out your stuff? I'm Amanda Mustard on Instagram. It's the only one I really have time for. Got my website, amandamustard.com. Got a podcast called Trauma Town. I'm working on a film very much in your world. Oh. Uh, that I can't say too much about, but it is the unconventional journey of a senior citizen woman to seek sexual freedom and love. Uh, so working on that. And then I'm also, I photograph and film a lot at the uh, Slipper Room in the East Village these days. And I'm, I'm yeah, I'm developing and shooting a, a doc there. Very cool. Well, thanks again for coming on. And uh, why don't you go ahead and say goodbye to everybody. Goodbye, everybody. Again, the documentary is Great Photo, Lovely Life. Couldn't recommend it enough. It is uncomfortable, but it is gripping. And it's not a docu-series. It's like a documentary. Like you start it and then like 93 minutes or whatever later, it's done. I you do not need to invest an entire weekend in this like 10-part mini-series. No thank you. I uh, hope you enjoyed the conversation with Amanda Mustard, everybody. And I hope this is uh, the type of conversation that will move you to vote for me for the AVN Award for Adult Podcast. Again, 
You can vote once per day through this Saturday, January 27th, uh, at the link at the top of the notes. You can do once per day per account. Just, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm just saying that part of it, but I'm not instructing you to do anything, but you can vote once per day per account. I think that that's not cheating. That's just, I'm telling you information. Link at the top of the notes, please. If you, uh, if you're ever going to do anything for me, help me win this. Go to manwhorepod.com for all your manwhore podcast needs. I know I've said that for a decade, but the website actually is like a website now. There's a store. You can buy merch. You can see my upcoming stand-up dates. Uh, it's, a, it's a real place now. But again, the you know, main call to action is uh, AVN. Let's win this. Stay slutty. Stay <laughs> slutty.